Grace, mercy, and the peace of God our Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one whose identity was revealed to those disciples on the mountaintop. Amen. Include the series that we're in called Amazing. Our God is amazing. Our Lord Jesus is amazing, showing amazing power and showing his identity through this amazing appearance. Sometimes things can be hidden in plain sight. Maybe you've experienced that before. When um, on Christmas we have, uh, toward the end of our, our Christmas celebration, we have a, a treasure hunt normally, and it's for the kids so they can find a gift, something that they, uh, they're looking forward to. Normally, it's kind of a, the culmination, so it's the biggest gift or the most, um, the most special of the gifts that, that we're giving them for Christmas. And um, this year, though, Max planned a treasure hunt that I could go on, and I planned a treasure hunt Paula could go on, and... When I was searching and when Paula was searching, both times there was something hidden in plain sight. One of the clues that Max gave, I thought, ah, I know what that is. That's the, the filter in our Brita like water pitcher. So I picked up the top and looked down in the, in the um, pitcher, and the clue was on the lid right there about four inches from my ear, but I was looking this way and I didn't see it. And having not seen it, I closed the lid without ever looking there. Missed it completely. Went, looked in other places. Eventually, Max said, well, Dad, you were really close to it in one of the places you looked. And I went back and sure enough, there it was. Well, that set the tone for the day because then Paula went on her treasure hunt and um, she went walking into this, the place where her gift was. I gave her a bicycle. Bicycles are not small. It had a bow on the handlebars. And, and she walked in and looked. It was right there. But it was behind a counter and then we all kind of laughed out loud. We were behind her, and she looked at us, and the bike was there, and turned around like, what am I not seeing? And we laughed again. And then eventually, <gasps> there it is. Things we see, sometimes we don't really see. We can miss things that are obvious things that are right in front of us, things that are right there. But if we only slow down and have a different vantage point, possibly, we can see, we can recognize, we can make sense of what's right in front of us. This morning, we've had some technical difficulties. Let's set aside those distractions. This morning, maybe you have things on your mind, things you're going to try to do today. Let's try to set aside those distractions. Maybe you have swirling thoughts in your mind, like all the time. And it's hard to focus, hard to bring your mind to one thing. 
not just this thing, but really anything that you need to concentrate on, and maybe that's difficult. Sometimes it's a necessary to get a different vantage point. We'll see things differently if we look from a different place. We'll recognize things possibly if we get a different point of view, a different angle. Let's look at Jesus. This morning as we study the the transfiguration, we're going to look at Jesus. Jesus often went incognito. People couldn't recognize him, and sometimes that was by necessity. See, people who started to recognize the power of Jesus and his ability to heal and do miracles came with their hands out, came seeking after Jesus so that he would do something, he would provide something, he would give them something that they wanted, something that maybe they needed even. And many times that disrupted Jesus' agenda. So there were times when he didn't make himself publicly known. He needed to take some time away. He needed to get away from the crowds. There were times when Jesus didn't want people to know necessarily, in fact, precisely who he was. I think that's one of the reasons why when Jesus would cast out a demon, he would tell people not to tell or do a healing. He would say, yeah, you don't have to tell people all about this. And then they would go and talk about it because what do you do when something fantastic has happened? You tell people about it. In John chapter 8, they wanted to stone Jesus so he hid himself from them so that they would not recognize him. In Luke chapter 4, men of a synagogue wanted to throw him down a cliff so Jesus went through um, among the crowd and, and left without them realizing it, is the way that uh, the text seems to read. In John chapter 12, he hid himself from them. Though he had done signs, there were people who did not believe, and Jesus then hid himself from them. See, Jesus would be unrecognized from time to time. And the disciples typically only saw the identity of Jesus in a veiled and concealed way. And these 12 who went with Jesus from place to place, who learned from him, who saw him perform miracles, who were witnesses to all these things Jesus was doing, continued to question who he was, the power he had, what he was able to do. They didn't fully grasp Jesus' identity during his life and ministry. They kind of missed it, most of the time at least. The reality is we can't fully experience the glory and power of God, the holiness of God. We can't fully experience that in our sinfulness. So Jesus couldn't come in the fullness of his glory and his power. It wouldn't have worked. Even post-resurrection, the disciples don't recognize him right away. Those who come to the tomb and the women who come to the tomb, they don't, they don't see him. Maybe it was Mary's grief that made her eyes downcast, but she thought he was the gardener. Even those two who walked with Jesus and had a conversation with him on the road to Emmaus were unaware of his identity until he broke the bread. 
we can miss out on the identity of Jesus because sometimes he happens to be incognito, unrecognizable. No one recognized Jesus during his ministry. In Isaiah chapter 53, talks about the suffering servant who had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So Jesus' identity wasn't in who he was by his appearance, how he looked. In 2 Corinthians, described the, the Jewish people as veiled for whom his identity would be hidden, that even when Moses was read, this veil was over them. So there's rare exceptions in Jesus' lifetime of people who recognized his identity, who properly identified him as the Son of God. Those rare exceptions include usually Gentiles, a centurion, a soldier at the cross. Those are the people who start to recognize one of the, uh, the soldiers at the foot of the cross said, surely this was the Son of God. And it's the first time Son of God is said about Jesus in that gospel. I think that's in Mark. But then on the mountain, Jesus' appearance was transformed. The appearance of people changes over time, right? We've been reminded over the last couple of weeks that it was eight years ago that we were in the process of moving here. And yesterday was actually the eighth anniversary of my first message here at Mount Olive. It was Ash Wednesday. All these Facebook reminders, most of them have photographs attached. And it's fun to see these old pictures. Well, old, eight years old. And we've changed a bit. My hair's a different color. <laughs> Drew has changed the most. He was, he was a pretty little kid when we first got here. Gina's changed quite a bit, too. She's having lived half of her life now in this state, almost. So we've changed, but that's over time. That's not unexpected. When someone's appearance changes rapidly, then it's a surprise, right? Remember that show, Extreme Makeover? It was a, the show about the, the transformation of someone's appearance. There was the home edition one where they would remake property, but the original one was the remaking of someone's appearance. And so they would, um, you know, help someone with their, with, with their um, style, clothing choices, maybe hair. Uh, if, for the women, you know, sometimes they would get the, the makeup from, you know, a makeup artist or someone and... Um, and then many times it involved you know, physical transformation, exercise and, and eating better. And, and so, you know, this is weeks, maybe months that they do all this recording, but they show it to you in an hour. So you see the person at the beginning and at the end, and they do the before and after kind of side by side toward the end of the show. And it's striking how different a person looks in just an hour, an hour on TV, which is weeks or months. In this moment of transfiguration, Jesus' appearance was, was transformed in a moment. The disciples got a peek into the reality of who Jesus is. Verses 2 and 3, Jesus was transfigured, transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, 
as no one on earth could bleach them. Boom. There's Jesus. That's who he is. Take a look. Get a peek. Jesus. I don't think the, the, the disciples really need the voice from the cloud to tell them who Jesus was at that moment. You know, we, we get this idea that Jesus was kind of glowing, maybe, that, that light was coming from him, radiance there. And, and in fact, it says he became radiant. How would you respond to that? Peter's idea is, let's stay, right? It's good that we're here. Let's pitch some tents. Let's camp out. We can have a tent for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. Let's stick around. But we need to do more than look at Jesus. We need to look to Jesus. We don't want to just look at the person of Jesus. We want to look to Jesus because he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Moses and Elijah come and speak with Jesus there in the transfiguration. And it's representative of Jesus as the fulfillment of the law, which is Moses, and the prophets, that's Elijah. And and these two pillars of of the faith, pillars of the Bible, representative of all of the law and all of the prophets, come there and visit with Jesus on the mountain. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So that's, what, that's how we understand Moses and Elijah's presence on the mountain, speaking with Jesus. But it's by faith that we see him and know him. We see and know Jesus as more than the Son of God, as more than law and prophets, but as our Savior. 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, working in our hearts, we can see and know Jesus. We can see and understand at least a glimpse of the glory of God. Verse 16 from chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. This is God at work in us so that we don't just look at Jesus, we look to Jesus. We see more than a carpenter's son. We see more than a fisherman's friend. We see more than a a prophet, a teacher, an all-round good guy, a miracle worker. We see the Son of God. Without the voice from the cloud telling us, this is my Son, that's who we see, and we see our Savior. And so we look to Him in trust. Hebrews chapter 12 begins with words about running with endurance the race that is set before us. In verse 2, looking to Jesus, 
the founder and perfecter of our faith. The Alpha and Omega, the beginner and finisher of the faith that we have in Him. So we look to Jesus for guidance, for answers. We trust in His Word and His promises. As the Savior of the world, as the one who gave His life for ours, so that even you know, now 2,000 years later, we can look back through the Word and see this episode and see Jesus transformed, transfigured before these disciples, giving them a glimpse of His glory. And now we not only look to Jesus, but we begin to look like Jesus. Look at Jesus look to Jesus, and begin to look like Jesus. Have you seen in your own uh, family tree the family resemblance? From the time Gina was tiny, people would often say, well, she's just, she looks just like you, Dad. And when she was really little, I didn't see it. I I didn't recognize my face in hers, but... More lately, she stole my nose, (laughs) and some facial structure is very similar. Did you Photoshop or did Max do it, our faces? Yeah, I think Max did that. Took took a picture of me and a picture of Gina and, and like cut them down the middle and put our two faces side by side. Without the hair? I don't remember. I just remember it was like, wow, you can't tell that it's two faces pushed together to make one. We look similar. I've been told that I look similar to my dad of his dad, whom I never met. And I've seen pictures, and I can see some resemblance. It's the hus nose. That's what my mom has told me. Maybe you've heard the word spit an image or chip off the old block. We don't look like Jesus in a physical sense, where we're going to look like a, a Middle Eastern person from the first century. We don't dress like Jesus, but we do the things that Jesus did, because by his grace, we are transformed into his likeness. Did you hear these words in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 3? We all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That word transformed there, and the word that's transfigured in Mark chapter 9, guess what? It's the same word. It's the word we get metamorphosis from in English. That's almost a transliteration directly from the Greek. And we use metamorphosis to think about like butterflies, well, caterpillars turning into, right? You know what I mean? That, that, that change in appearance and identity, that's, what we, that's the word we use for that. Well, Jesus was transfigured, we are transformed, and both words are the same as metamorphosis. We're changed. 
Romans chapter 8 says we are conformed to the image of his son. What does that look like? It's not our appearance. It's not our facial features, but it's our lives. We live for his glory. Peter, James, and John, well, particularly Peter, he's the one that says it, wanted to stay on the mountain, but they had to come down. Life is lived in the valley. We live in the valley. What's it look like to live for his glory? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Be imitators of God as beloved children. That's how we look like Jesus. That's how our appearance begins to look like Jesus the Savior. When we are imitators of God. He charged his disciples following the transfiguration not to make him known, not immediately, not until after the resurrection. But he's charged us with making him known. People, with helping people see. With helping people look at Jesus and when they look at Jesus to then look to Jesus. So that looking at him and looking to him, they can begin in this process to begin to look more and more like Jesus. That's our work. We do that by word, by witness, and by our actions in our lives. Love your neighbor. Today's a day all about love. And there's probably, you know, pink and red balloons and candy packages and other kinds of things still in the stores. Now probably on clearance, so if you haven't done anything yet, you might save some money. But it's a day about love, and and as we think about love, we can think about Jesus and the love that he has given us, and then in action we can love one another and love our neighbors as ourselves as we live out this life so that our appearance is like him and help others see his amazing appearance through how we live our lives. Amen.